Well, friends, welcome back here to the Wild at Heart podcast. It's the first week of June. We are just so delighted each week to walk with you as we all walk with God together. And before we jump into our usual pause, just want to thank everybody for your support. Here we are, a nonprofit, crowdfunded mission in the world, reaching, well, more than 200 countries around the world with this podcast. And we are supported by our friends. Um, you can help us on the Wild at Heart app or on our website. And we're just really grateful. Thanks, everybody, for the way you've been showing your support to us. So let's begin, as we always do. Let's take a moment, wherever you are, in your car, at the gym, on a walk, in your apartment. Let's just take a moment and lay down everything that has been clamoring for your soul's attention. Lay it down for a few moments here this week so that we can find God. Jesus, we do. We give everyone and everything to you. I release everyone and everything to you. And I pray that you would meet me here today. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, meet me here today and restore my life in you. Speak into my life. Bring me your love and your companionship. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, friends, Alan and I are in the studio this week um, because we've been reflecting on some stories that we share uh, from the past. There's so much life that gets lived here at Wild at Heart um, in our life with God. So many lessons learned in the day-to-day. And one of our deep desires in creating the podcast was to share those with you. Say, hey, here... Here's what we're learning. Here's what we're running into, you know, yes. in life, in marriage, in prayer, in the world, in, you know, just all the, all the things. So this week is actually born out of a conversation that's a couple years old now. It goes back to a story, Alan, of yours when you were living through a, a kind of a bumpy tempestuous period in the life of parenting older children. Right. And it it always feels vulnerable when you go into stories with children because we want to protect their privacy and will, but also want to share kind of our journey as as dads and, and what we're learning as parents. And so this one, John, yeah, it was a couple of years ago that it began and yet it really feels as current as today because it's still playing out in fresh ways. But the way it began, uh, one of my sons, I was at a boot camp a couple of years ago and it was in the middle of our event. And I got a phone call from Kelly, my wife saying, Hey, I need to talk to you about something going on with one of our kids. It's kind of the call you hope doesn't happen when you're at an event, especially, and when you're on mission, 
but she quickly told me that one of our sons who was 16 at the time was no longer interested in a relationship with God, that he hadn't quit believing in God. He just didn't like God anymore because God wasn't answering his questions, wasn't responding to him or engaging with him. And he felt like he had been trying and just was done with it. And so wanted to leave the school that he was at, uh, go from a Christian school that he had been in to a much larger secular school. And all of this just was like, a for me, a turning that we had not seen. In fact, when I left, he was talking about memorizing the book of James for a project and, and just for personal edification. And so it was this massive shift, John, and we finished our mission. I got home, was able to, to talk to him and realized this isn't like just a weekend thing. Something bigger is going on here that is going to be a journey that we're on. And so we were trying to decide things for him and for us, but the immediate decision was it was the end of a school semester and he, in the next week or so, had to know and get our permission to shift schools. And the shifting of schools felt like this massive long-term decision that yeah. with big consequences. Yeah. And so we weren't quite sure what to do, what was better for him long-term, what where God was in it. And it was just a, a tumultuous time. And so I remember, John, in that moment, you and I were talking and you were standing in the doorway of my office and you said, Alan, listen, man, above all else, you need to protect the relationship and the decisions you're about to make because it'd be easy to make a pro con list, you know, of, well, here are the reasons why this and here are the reasons why that. And also to want as a parent to kind of control the situation, not necessarily kind and I of. Don't, to really control the situation. <laughs> and you told me in that moment, I don't mind sharing with everybody. You said in a very kind way, but you said, Alan, sometimes, you know, you can be a little controlling when it comes to trying to manage things with your family and kids in the way to you want to kind of steer something. And you were smiling as you said it, but you were dead on. Like I could feel everything in me wanting to safeguard whatever was going on with him and and the whole thought of but if he maybe if he stays in this christian school then god will actually you know come through in different ways and if he doesn't maybe things will unravel faster and and yet knowing he's a junior at this time you know he's he's 16 and he's midway through his junior year and that is a choice i need to let him make with feedback and with you know help but that was the moment we were in when you first spoke those words to me as protect the relationship. And so fast forward, Kelly and I, after prayer and after a lot of conversation, but it all had to happen within a day or two, decided, okay, we're going to let him do this. We toured the school with him. Wasn't very comforting on a human level. <laughs> in fact, the one of the head people there that was giving us the tour was saying, you know, they really have decided the best way that they can lead is to follow the kids lead. And so they take their cues of how to teach and how to run the school by 
just listening to the students and whatever they think is best, they're learning how to come alongside them. And we were like, oh no, this is going to be a disaster. But we felt like God was in it with us and that, that this would be the best thing for the relationship. Because you were telling me, Alan, if you don't do this and somehow keep him in this other school, there's a really high likelihood he's going to get bitter, not only at you, but at God. And it's going to solidify a direction that you don't want things to go. And so that, John, was really a great moment, even though it was it was hard. There were so many unknowns. We didn't know any of the other students at the school, none of the parents that were going there. Um, he didn't either. And so it was a world of unknowns that he was going into, yet we knew this was going to be best for the relationship for us to go into it together. And so we did. And I'm, so I'm saying this now a year and a half later, and he's still in that school, about to graduate. And it has been a path that was full of more bumps and more unknowns. But the beautiful thing is the relationship held and actually grew stronger mm. during that time. Mm. Versus him getting so pissed at you for trying to, quote, control my life that he pushes further away and you win the battle over whatever it is, you know, the length of their hair, the hours that they get to come and go, you know, their curfew time, or you can win the battle and lose the war by losing the relationship. That piece of advice came out of a really critical point in our life uh, with one of our sons. And these are the teenage years that we're talking about right now. This, this, isn't, this isn't the six-year-old years. These are the you know, young adults pushing the boundaries. Sam <laughs> had done something that had just fried me. I think he's a senior in, in high school. I'm, and I'm coming downstairs to the basement where his room was. And I am ready to bring down the hammer. <laughs> I mean, the, the long arm of the law is coming in. And I'm walking down the stairs and I have enough wherewithal, thank the living God, to say, Jesus, any instructions here? And that's when he said to me, John, protect the relationship. Mm. And that one piece of advice has been so huge for us over the years, protect the relationship. Because things that, as a parent, can feel so huge right now, if you just put yourself 10 years down the road and go, really? In 10 years, is this going to be a big deal? Yes. It's just not worth, it's not worth the relationship. It's not worth blowing up the relationship over especially if they're navigating difficult decisions and, and maybe a whole host of poor decisions. You want to be in the conversation, not locked out of it. And right. some friends of ours who listen to this podcast, so they'll recognize themselves in this story. Their son was a freshman in college and he was caught up in a relationship with a young woman that they were not thrilled about. And she was like super codependent and very clingy. And she had actually followed him to this college. 
and wow. yeah, yeah, enrolled in school there simply because he was there. And it was one of those classic, you know, first year of college relationships that feels so dramatic and so filled with implications. And they too wanted to bring the hammer down. They too wanted to really intervene. And obviously for a college student, you, you have a lot less control over their decision-making and you should have a lot less control over their decision-making. They're young adults. They're learning their way in the world. But uh, we were chatting about the situation. I said, guys, you do not want to create a Romeo and Juliet scenario here mm. where now this is the forbidden relationship, yes. you know, and it, oh gosh, it just <laughs> escalates all the drama. I said, listen, you're in the conversation right now. Yeah. He's talking to you about this. Oh yeah. He calls us every week. He's, he, he's letting us know. I'm like, do you understand how gold that is? Like, don't blow that up. If yes. anything, you want him to keep telling you how things are going, like stay in the mix. Now, having said that, everybody, I know, I know, I can already feel the bing, 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 bing. Oh, what about this scenario? And well, our son's only 10, but he's, you know, or our daughter is with a friend that we're not sure. Okay, okay, folks, I know, I know. This could be a 12-part series on parenting. And you know what? We should probably do that series in the fall, <laughs> okay? And we'll get far more qualified parents than we are in here yeah. to help us with that. Um, that would be a good series to do. So everybody, just I understand what we're saying and what we're about to say raises a lot of questions, a lot of applications. Well, are you saying this applies to a seven-year-old? Are you saying, you know, just hang with us here with a couple of the basic themes. So one of the things that we wanted to say is the idea that to protect the relationship, protect the relationship is one of those guiding principles that will really see you through a lot. Now, it doesn't answer everything. I know, I know. And it's got, it's got applications around it. We're going we're gonna to try and apply here in a moment. But if you are in the conversation, it is so much better than being outside the conversation. If you preserve the relationship so that two years from now, they're still talking to you as young adults who are, you know, off on their own or as middle school students who are embroiled in middle school drama and, and they tell you what's going on because you're still in the relationship, man, that is gold. And there's something about us as parents, there's just this sabotage factor where we want to get in there and tell them what's what. Right. And we do have years of wisdom ahead of them. We do. I know. I know. Gang, do you know the number of times that I was in conversation with one of our young adult sons and they're processing a relationship or a career decision or something and internally I'm thinking, I am a trained therapist. Let me help you. Let me help you. But I, it wasn't, it wasn't mine in the moment. Like I, I, I had to let go of control, let go of input in order to protect the relationship long-term so I could stay in the conversation. Now, our buddy Craig used to tell a story about this. Do you remember this, Alan? Oh. 
Absolutely. Oh gosh, yes. he would tell it at, at conferences in in such a brilliant and hysterical way because Craig raised two beautiful, beautiful daughters who are remarkable women now. I mean, really, truly remarkable women with families of their own. But in their high school years, his younger daughter was a whirlwind. I mean, she was a lot to she was a lot to handle. And, you know, Craig would stay up late at night pacing the floor in the living room because she had blown her curfew and he's ready to lower the hammer when she walks in the yeah. door. We're going to go back and pick up a story that I think he had with you. Right. It was a podcast from many years ago, but I asked him to retell that story and share it because it had had such a profound impact on me. I was moved to tears the first time I heard it, and um, I think the listeners will be too. I mean, I can remember there being certain young men who were hanging around, either dating or wanting to date one of our daughters. And inside, I'm going, oh, dear God, no. <laughs> I mean, I didn't realize the Antichrist was disguised <laughs> with zits and as a 16-year-old and just not wanting my daughter to even be around this guy. And somewhere in there, realizing, okay, 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 I'm going to trust that a whole lot of my intuitions and feelings are right. The fear kind of accentuates there's something going on here, but I want to relate to my daughter in this time as someone who is so for her and so for her deep, God-given yearnings that often find foolish expression in their youth. And I want to love and support and speak strongly, courageously into her life. And I need time with God to do that, to get oriented. And then to share those concerns with her as a father whose validation as a father doesn't need her to make the decision right. I want her to. Now, she was at an age where more and more of her decisions were hers to make. So um, I was uptight. I remember um, just pacing the kitchen floor, entryway floor, writing in my journal as one of my daughters was consistently way past curfew. And I was writing that her lack of respect and obedience to me was a violation of creation that she would certainly feel the weight of <laughs> later in life and that she would regret wow. the horrific pain she caused me as a worrying father. And uh, God caught me. God caught me. He just snagged me, said to me, Craig, what's more important, your child's morality in choices or your relationship with her over time. Wow. Because I was on the verge of losing my daughter over her moral choices or what she might choose. And God just captured with me with the thought that, you know what, as her father, I want a lifelong influence, a lifelong relationship. I know this stage feels critical, but actually there's going to be many, many more 
critical moments in her life. And I want to be there for all of them. What kind of dad can offer counsel, strength, courage, resolve, direction, clarity over a lifetime? That's what the kind of dad I wanted to be. And it just diffused the, okay, that's more the goal. It's not her morality per se just by itself. It's her heart and our relationship over time. I'm going for the long game, not the short game. And that's been one of the big lessons I learned as a dad. That's a pretty big thought. That's a pretty risky thought that God says to him, you're more concerned about her virginity than you are about her heart and soul and her relationship with you yes. over time. Like that, whoa, those, when the stakes feel high like that, right. our reasoning goes, yes, yes, absolutely. On this matter, you know, mm-hmm. it is worth sabotaging everything over. But God rescued Craig as he rescued me, as he's been rescuing you. Yeah, and he has been rescuing me. And I I just want to take people to right now with my son because it is still current. But John, he has really navigated that last year and a half well overall. And the trajectory has been positive. And now he's closer to God than he ever was before. And it wasn't through me controlling and trying to force and, and lecture mm. uh, it at all. It really was through trusting God that God has him in this and that I get to play a part. But my part is to love him really well. And yeah, there were some boundaries we had to enforce during the past year and a half where we would have to say, I would have to say, no, we're not doing that, or sorry, this can't happen this way. So there were certainly moments like that. But overall, he learned that I was not just the dad with instructions on what he couldn't do, but also with somebody that he could talk to and process with, and that it was a safe place, that that it wasn't, whatever he said wasn't going to be immediately followed by me telling him, or fearing something and reacting in a way that blew up the conversation. Mm. So a lot of times I had to have a really good poker face. And, you know, John, (laughs) he would say something, and internally I'm thinking, oh, no. But from my face and my tone, it would be like, huh, well, so tell me more. And it became, I think his defenses would go down because he thought, I know if I say this, my dad's going to, try to jump in. And instead he started to realize, actually, my dad's just listening and present. And so then that would allow him to go, but you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's not a great idea. And then I could slowly come into it as a sounding board that had earned the right to say a few things by not always trying to change or correct or discipline or put the hammer down. Going straight for the outcome. We want to get quickly to the right outcome. And so we're going to control our way there and lose the relationship or lose respect or the right to be heard. Now, friends, I know, I know, I know, I know. 
because we are currently walking with friends through really, really difficult situations right now with late uh, adolescent children or young adult children that are very, very difficult. So I want to I say we get it. There are very high level issues where more serious intervention is needed. We're, we're not saying take this kind of laid back, hippie approach to no. parenting, but when we're saying do everything you can to preserve and protect the relationship, that is so you can walk together through difficult things. But of course, there are times and seasons where you do have to intervene in more serious ways. I mean, you know, like a DUI and an alcohol or substance abuse problem. Whoa, okay, hang on. Like, interventions is the name of literally stepping in sometimes with a group of people to say, you need to go to an inpatient treatment center. You need to go into rehab for this. And to stand in the way of someone in that situation with a clear substance abuse, alcoholism, DUIs, you know, going on. Yes, of yes. course. It's not just, hey, I don't want to, I don't want to jeopardize the relationship, so I'm not going to say anything. Right. There are times that risks have to be taken in the relationship. So we're not laying down some sort of law where protect the relationship is the only guiding principle. It's a very valuable one, but we're walking with people right now through some very, very hard scenarios. And there are risks that you have to take as well as a parent to say, this is not okay. Right, John. And I think also you have to protect the relationship, but you also have to protect the home, uh, the home that your other children are in, your wife is in. And so there are things that I, I believe are clear boundaries within our homes where we, as dad should say, hey, look, we're not going to let this kind of movie play in our home or we're not going to have these kind of people doing these kind of things in our home. So absolutely, like there are situations where as the father or the leader of the home, I believe it's up to us to say we want to protect the relationship. And in our home, there are certain ways certain things work, including the people that come in and out or what they do while they're there. And what they do when we're not there. Yes. Who gets to spend the weekend when we're out of town? Things like that, of course. Yeah, so there, there is wisdom. There is counsel in this. But the number of times that I have felt like, oh, no, we're there. <laughs> like, this is, this is clearly one of those high-stakes scenarios, and I am going to, you know, lower the boom. And Jesus has said, hang on a second. Hang on. There's a different way to approach this parenting by conversational relationship with God is so different than parenting without it. Being able to pause and ask God. So if Blaine and I uh, were listening to this podcast right now, they'd let me tell this story. Our son, Blaine, middle son, is one year out of college. He's living in another state. He's met a girl. And the relationship proceeds very quickly. And suddenly they're talking marriage and we have never even met her. Oh, wow. Now in our family culture, 
it, it was it was always a process culture. In other words, we process things out loud. Whoa, what's going on? What do you think about that? That kind of, hey, mm-hmm. tell us what's up. You want the conversation. That's the whole idea of protective relationships, stay in the conversation. And so for this to suddenly happen without any conversation felt very wounding. It felt, it felt very betraying uh, of, whoa, like that, these are, marriage is a big decision gang. Like, hang on, hang on. And we were flying up to meet her and I was preparing my list. <laughs> what do you mean your list? Oh, my list of all of the wise reasons, all of the deep and insightful <laughs> reasons they should you know, postpone this and take your time because there was grad school involved and he was, he was actually leaving the country to go to grad school. They wanted to get married before he went so she could come with him. And we're like, whoa, 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 slow this down. You guys are on the bullet train here. And this just isn't wise. And I'm on the plane and it was like going down the stairs into the basement. I pause and I ask Jesus, but is there anything you want to say? (laughs) Because I got my list and the plane is landing. And Jesus says, let it go and get on board. Wow. I I know. I'm like, what? How can you say that? That's madness. No, you know. So we go out to dinner. We're in the restaurant and we had laid out all of these reasons once before to them. And I said, guys, you've had some time to process some of the things we've said to you. Uh, What are you thinking? And they look at us and they look at each other and they look at us and they say, we're getting married and we're going to grad school out of the country. And it was in that moment that I realized, Jesus, okay. And it was just brilliant. I'm going to cry at this. Stacy reaches over the table, takes her hand. We just met that weekend. She reaches across the table, takes her hand, and she says, welcome to the family. I hail the waiter and order a bottle of champagne. And within 30 seconds, we are raising glasses together and toasting to their future. Now, I know, like, that feels like contravening all premarital counseling, all, you know, all of the years of experience of people. I know, I know. But God was in it, and they have a phenomenal marriage. And here's the thing that happened. Because we took that posture, thank you, God, I wasn't going to take that posture. I was coming back in with my list. We were in the conversation for the early years of their marriage. And that's exactly where we wanted to be. So then as the bumps come, and they come for everybody, you know, or more than bumps as big heartaches come, we we were in the conversation. Now, that We've handled it other ways in other scenarios. We had a dear friend who was um, very, very close to us, and she was dating a man that we did not feel good about, and we let her know. We let her know. I mean, we, we, we didn't just tiptoe around the issue. We raised our concerns, okay? So again, it's this balance yeah, yeah. of protect the relationship, but yes, there are times you risk 
the relationship in order to say what you're thinking. For the relationship. For it. And for their well-being. Yes. John, one thing you, in your story you just told, that strikes me is you weren't operating out of a sense of fear. You were walking with God. And so you, you were creating a list of, of things that you were concerned or worried about, but you didn't let fear have the last word. You were listening to God. And I think that's huge because if our posture with our children is one of fear and anxiety mm. and worry, like we're all really creative people and it doesn't take much to imagine the worst case scenario and respond out of that fear in a really shrill or panicked way. But when we're walking with God, we can operate out of love instead of fear. And whether that is actually having to say something super hard or saying okay to something for the relationship, the, the basis it's coming from is love. There you go. And confidence in the presence of God. Yes. Right? Who right. is a better parent than you are. Yes. I remember years ago in my grad school training, I remember one of my professors, ther a, a well-known therapist at the time, saying to this <laughs> class of budding young counselors, he said, you need to assume that God is more at work than you are. I laughed. I laughed. As a, as a young therapist, I'm like, no, he's not. If I don't intervene, this whole thing's going to blow up, right? I, I, mean, I yeah. mean, my total unbelief was exposed in a moment. I literally laughed at that. I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> you have to assume that God is more at work than you are. That is a really big idea. And it, it plays, Alan, into one last thing that I just wanted to lay down for today. We're just trying to speak into some of the themes we've learned over the years. And what I'm realizing is that most of my bad parenting decisions or conversations, um, my reactions to things, have been out of an earnest, heartfelt, parents' desire to shield my children from pain and from their mistakes. And I get it. I get it. Like this goes so deep into the fibers of any parent. Of course, I'm going to shield them from the pain of the world and, and from the pain and heartache of bad decisions. And there is a time and there is a place to try and do that. But folks, we've got to remember most of the lessons you've learned, friends, the valuable ones, most of the things that have shaped your character to the person you are today was through your mistakes. Right? Right. Yes. The right. more you try and shield your kids from every mistake, again, you don't let them drive drunk. Okay. Yes, yeah. Right. There, there are boundaries. But I'm just saying there is this profound longing, heartache, loving desire to shield our kids from pain and from their mistakes that causes us to become more and more controlling and trying to control the atmosphere. I mean, the truth was that in your son's case, that Christian school was killing him. Yes. And he had to get out. 
Yes. In the moment, to you, it looked like, oh no, this was the story we set up for his well-being. Right. And a lot of unknowns. If he left, what was going to happen, right? Yeah. John, my other son, real quick, I just wanted to tell you, to your point about we want to protect and we want to control. And so he was leaving the state after high school to go to another state for uh, his next years. And I was, everything in me was trying to tell him these things. And he was meeting with Bart and with all these people, you know, from the outpost and friends. And finally he looked at me, we were in the parking lot and I'll never forget this. And he said, dad, you're trying to help so much. And all these people are giving me the advice of what they learned. But as I become a man, I don't want people later in life when they ask me about my story and why I did or didn't do something to say, well, because I had a journal of advice from my dad and other people. And they said that they did something wrong and learned or did something and, and did wish they hadn't, but I didn't do anything. I just had a journal of other people's input because I've got to live my life. I want to make smart decisions, but I'm going to mess up and I want you to be okay with that. And it was really true what he was saying, but it was, it was hard because everything in a, in a dad or a parent is no, no, no. I can save you that pain. I can save you all those things from what I learned from doing it or not doing it. I lived my life out of a book of advice from other people, but I never lived my life. That's a horrible story. So the compulsion to shield our kids from pain, to shield them from consequences. There are things I wish I could go back and do over now. I really do. Overreactions to to scenarios, middle school, high school, college. I remember one of our sons got busted at a at a Christian college for smoking on campus. I mean, can you believe it? Like how utterly lame is that? And when he told me the story, I just laughed. And I laughed for two reasons. One, because it was a funny story, but also I wanted him to keep telling me the stories. Yes. So tell me the story about the party next weekend and tell me the story about the girl you met, right? Like to the degree that you can, you protect the relationship. This is true of friendships. This is true of your life with God, right? To do everything you can to protect the relationship and to not live in fear, right? Now, friends, I know, I know. I'm, I'm thinking of dear friends of my own right now who are going to say, yeah, but you don't know the scenario we're living through. And I don't. Alan and I don't. And there are, there are really, really complicated stories going on right now because we live in a very complicated world with questions of gender and sexuality and questions of faith and God and, and media and technology, and all of it. I know, I know. The book that I will never be able to write is the book on parenting adult children. You'll notice there's very few of those books in the world. And the reason is those aren't my stories to tell. I can't start telling more significant stories on the young adults in my life, right? But there is God. You have God. You have God. And parenting 
with conversational relationship with Jesus, asking God is so different than parenting without him. Jesus, what do you think? We're about to react to this. Lord, catch us. Or, Lord, this looks like a really bad friend. This looks like a really bad school or a scenario. Um, we don't understand their moods right now. Is, is what's going on? Is this a phase, Lord? Is this something that maybe needs a therapist involved? God will meet you. He will. He will guide you. And that's where we're going to leave this for now. <laughs> 